guys, good evening. Uh, as Sue said, my name is Ollie. Uh, it's Sunday night. Can you believe it's Sunday night at DTI? Who's had an amazing time so far, right? I know, it's been absolutely amazing. And um, I wanted to start by telling you guys a quick story about, uh, related to um, an Avengers film that came out a few years ago, okay? So um, has anyone seen the new Avengers film, by the way? I saw, it this, I saw it this week. I can't believe that bit where, um, don't worry. Don't worry, I'm not that guy. I have no intention to be that guy. And no one else, no spoilers, okay? That is not okay. I feel bad for even pretending to do that. I think that would have been the quickest way to make about half of you hate me. Hey guys, come on, it's not fair. It's not fair on those who haven't seen it. So, anyway, back to my really important story. So, so a few years ago, uh, an old Avengers film came out, and um, I, I had a phone call from this guy that I barely knew, okay? So, uh, he'd, he'd done like one thing with our youth group before, and so I had his number on my phone, and that was about it, okay? That was the extent of our friendship, I barely knew him. And so when, when my phone started ringing and I saw his name on it, I was a little bit confused, um, but I just assumed it was something church-related, so I, I picked it up, and, and he was like, hey, Ollie, how you doing? I just wanted to know... Um, if you want to go to the cinema with me tonight to watch the new Avengers film. And straight away in my head, I don't know if you've been in this situation before, I was like, oh no, what do I do? I don't really want to go to the cinema with someone that I, I don't know at all. That's not my idea of fun, I don't know about you. Um, but it's also really nice that he asked me. Maybe he's a little bit lonely. Maybe he just, he's seen me around and he wants to be my best friend. Uh, so, so maybe I should. So in like my most enthusiastic voice, I responded and I was like, um... Yeah, yeah, so, sounds great. And um, so we started chatting about cinema timings, that kind of thing. And then we started to talk about where we were going to meet. And this is where it got a little bit strange because he suggested a meeting at some shops down the road from his house. And, uh, and I had absolutely no idea where he was talking about. And then I was like, I assume we're going to drive there. And he was like, no, obviously we'll walk. And I was thinking, really? It's a really long way to walk, but he sounded really confident, so I just kind of went with it. And when he was telling me where to meet him, he was like, you know, down the road. And I was like, which road? And he's like, you know, next to the pub. And I was like, which pub? And then there was just a couple of seconds of silence. And then all of a sudden he said, wait a minute, who is this? <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, Ollie. And he's like, Ollie who? And I was like, Ollie Ryan. And he said, who? And so then, I've gone from thinking this guy's desperate to be my best friend, to then trying to convince him that he actually even knows who I am. So I'm like, you know, um, I'm Ollie from church, do some youth stuff, that kind of thing. And eventually he was like, oh, you are definitely not who I thought I was ringing. I thought I was ringing a different Ollie. And in my head, I'm like, come on, who doesn't save surnames or something in their phone to like, help them remember someone? But then, I don't know about you, but I was like praying in my head, please don't do that like, polite British thing where you just invite me anyway and where we just like end up going to the cinema when neither of us want to do that. Um, but fortunately for me, he was like a pretty straight-talking guy, and I think he just said something like, well, that was awkward. Um, sorry about that. Um, see you soon. And um, ironically, we didn't see each other soon. He moved away, and we've never spoken again since. But, um, <laughs> but, but and that was that. And I know um, that's a bit of a silly, awkward story about mistaken identity, but the reason that I, I, I share that tonight is because Tonight, I want to speak to you guys about that, about identity, and, and specifically about you guys knowing who you are. Okay, that's what I want to talk about. And, you know, there's loads of reasons that we, we do DTI every year. We love coming together um, to have a load of fun. We love coming together to worship. 
Um, who loves the wipeout? Yeah, we love the wipeout. We love all of the crazy fun of this weekend. We love all of that. But actually, one of the main reasons that we do DTI year after year is that we massively believe in you guys. Your youth leaders do, we do. We believe that you guys are absolutely amazing, that, that God loves you, and he actually wants to do amazing things in you. And actually, we believe that tonight, Jesus wants you guys to see yourselves the way that he sees you. Okay, that he wants you to see yourselves differently. And when you do, guys, honestly, that will change your life. And if we could all do that, it would change the world. And tonight, we're going to be having a look at a verse in the Bible. Who's got the Bible with them? Anybody? Come on. Yes. I can see one person with their Bible. Love it. A few hands. Okay, well, you might want to grab your Bible. And tonight, we're going to be having a little look at a verse that actually someone shared yesterday, which wasn't planned. It was the guy that was getting interviewed. And we're looking at a verse from 1 Timothy. And guys, this might be a verse that you guys have heard before, but I want to talk about it tonight because I think there's something in there that is so important for all of us in this room. So uh, it's in 1 Timothy. The verse is going to come up on the screens in a second. But the reason that this book, it's a book in the Bible, is called 1 Timothy, is because you've got this older guy, a Christian called Paul, and he is writing to a younger Christian called Timothy, and he's just trying to encourage him a little bit. That's what's going on. So we're in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. So grab your Bibles or have a look on the screen. And we're just going to read the first little bit. So it says this. It says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Okay, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Now guys, has anyone ever had that thing before where maybe a parent or maybe a teacher says that thing where they say, Oh, don't worry about it. You understand when you're older. Has anyone ever had that before? Yeah. It is so annoying, isn't it? It's like maybe it's to do with like money, or maybe it's to do with where babies come from, or, or maybe it's to do with something like that. Yeah. But basically, they're being a bit patronizing. They're basically saying, you're too young to understand. Like, you'll figure it out when you're older. You can't actually do it right now. I, I, it sounds like maybe a few of you guys have had that before. But in this bit of the Bible... We have this guy, Paul, he's an older guy, writing to this younger guy, Timothy. And he's writing to him because he believes in him, because he's seen the potential that he has. And he actually knows that there will be people that are going to try and put Timothy down and undermine him because of his age. And so that's why he says to him, Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. And you know, the reason Paul says this is he spent years telling Timothy about Jesus and importantly, telling Timothy about who he is in Jesus, about his identity, and saying, Timothy, nothing else matters. Your identity is in Jesus. That's what defines you. And so in this moment, in this little verse that we've just read, he's essentially saying, Timothy, Jesus is what defines you, not your age, nothing else, Jesus. So don't let anyone put you down because actually your identity is far more than your age or your background or anything else. And you know, for all of us, for me and you here tonight, there's different stuff that all of us will probably struggle with. Uh, for me, when, when I was growing up, it, it was my height. Um, you, you might not have noticed, but I'm not necessarily the tallest person at DTI this year. And um, I'm, I'm five foot seven and a half. I, I think that's an important half. I often say that. And, and do you know, I've heard that apparently your height varies a lot throughout the day. Anyone else heard that? So I like to think I'm actually six foot. I've just never measured myself at the right time of day. Maybe that's just when I'm asleep or something. But, but guys, seriously, when I was growing up um, through school and through sick form, um, it was, that was the thing that I found quite hard. I was almost always the smallest person in my class. 
I was almost always the smallest person on the football team. If anyone wanted to pick on me or make fun of me, that's usually what they do because it was quite easy because I was just small. And, you know, it created a bit of an insecurity in me. I would never have admitted that to someone else. I wouldn't tell anyone that. But it was just a little bit of an insecurity. And I'd laugh along with the jokes and I'd pretend they didn't get to me. But the reality is it did. And it, and it hurt and I struggled with it. And you know, just like Timothy with his age or me with my height, I'm sure all of us in this room, all of you guys, have stuff that you struggle with. And you know, unfortunately, there will always be people that will be trying to undermine you and put you down a little bit. It might be because of your age, it might be because of your height, or it might be because of your appearance. It might be how uh, well you do at school. It might be to do with the way that you speak. It might be how good or how bad you are at something. There's loads of different things. But honestly, guys, hear this tonight. You are so much more than those things. That is not the thing that defines you. And you know, all of us in this room, we need to see ourselves in light of Jesus and the way that he looks at us and see ourselves as defined by him and not any of that other stuff. Because when we can do that, honestly, guys, it will change our lives. And an amazing example of someone who actually lived this out was Joseph. Uh, we've heard loads about his story this weekend, haven't we? And, you know, Joseph, when you think about his life, it was actually pretty brutal, wasn't it? Like, he was in prison, he was sold into slavery by his own family. And Susie talked a little bit about it on Friday night, but there must have been so many times when the temptation for him would have been just to feel really down for himself. And, and also, I think, for him to see himself the way that other people saw him. So maybe when his family rejected him, and sold him into slavery, he could have actually just thought, my family hate me. I'm worthless, and I'm unlovable. He could have quite easily thought that. Or when he was falsely accused, and he was sent to prison, he could have just thought, like, everyone is always out to get me. This is always me. Or loads of different things. There were, there were quite a few lows in his life, but actually, that isn't how he reacted at all, is it? And if it was me, I think I'd feel like I had every right to feel a little bit bitter, or down, or sorry for myself to get a bit angry, to get a bit frustrated, but Joseph somehow kept going. And maybe some of you guys right now, you might be sitting there and you might be feeling exactly like I just described. You might be thinking, you know what, Ollie, I'm not worth anything. My family situation does suck. I don't feel loved. I don't feel accepted. I feel lonely. You might be feeling like that right now. And guys, the thing that we see in Joseph's life is that even when everything seems to point to the opposite, when you have every single reason to feel let down or to feel like you're worthless or anything like that, Joseph's life would say, you are so much more than your family background. You are so much more than what other people think of you. And actually, you're so much more than you probably even think of yourself. And because like, for Joseph and for all of us, the the reality is it, it kind of sucks, but there's always going to be ups and downs. And when we look at them, when we look at the ups and downs, we'll just go up and down with them. But when we figure out how to see ourselves in light of Jesus and what he says about us, then everything changes. And guys, the Bible has so much to say about what this means for me and you. And if I've got a bit boring, then this is the moment basically to come back in. This is the moment to listen because this is incredible. Okay, everyone with me? Everyone listening? These like six people here are... But this is who the Bible says you are if you're a follower of Jesus, all right? So it says this. It says you're forgiven. You are a child of God. Jesus loves you and accepts you even when you feel like a failure and like you don't even match up. Everything that you have ever said or done has been completely forgiven and he will always, 
always, always welcome you back. And Jesus sees you differently to everybody else. And he offers you a security and an identity that you are not going to be able to find anywhere else in the world. That's what the Bible has to say about you guys. And do you know that? Like you might have heard it before, you might have heard someone say similar things, but do you actually know that deep down inside you? Because actually, even when we don't feel like it, and there's definitely times when I don't feel like it, but even when we don't feel like it, that is actually the truth. That's the truth about me and that's the truth about you. And if you're here today and you're feeling worthless or you're feeling let down, it might be to do with your family or friends or anything, then you need to know that actually Jesus sees you differently. He notices you. He chooses you and he sees your potential even if no one else does. And so to a certain extent with with Paul, that's what he's trying to do with Timothy. He's trying to remind Timothy of who he is in Jesus. And so that's why he says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. He's saying, you might be young, Timothy, but that's not who you are. That's not what defines you. So don't let anyone else define you by that. So Paul says that. He says that first bit, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. And then he says this next bit, okay? So again, it's going to come up on the screens. He says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. In speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Now guys, I want you to have a think back to when you were like really young, okay? So we're talking maybe let's say the first couple of years of primary school. And I want you to have a think about what was the worst thing that you did back then? What did you get in the most trouble for, okay? Have a think. You don't need to share with the person next to you because that will take us all day. But guys, I want to tell you about, it's time for me to make a bit of a confession. Um, My worst thing was when I was in year two. um, And me and my mate Sam, guys listen up for a sec, me and my mate Sam, we, uh, we got that thing in a lesson where we got to go to the toilet at the same time. And you know what, that, like, that is just amazing because like, this is basically a free opportunity to just bunk off with my mates. Um, we're not going to rush to the toilet, we're going to take our time. So there we were, me and Sam, and we were just kind of like wandering down the corridor, taking our time, taking the scenic route to the toilet. And then eventually we get into the bathroom, right? And straight ahead of us in the corner of the toilet was the cleaner's mop bucket. Right there, the mop and everything, just looking all nice and clean. And... Uh, And just for a bit of context, basically, our cleaner was pretty grumpy, okay? No one really liked her. She was pretty mean to us, and so that's part of the context. And also, um, particularly when I was younger, I've always been up for a dare. Has anyone else like that? You know, when someone dares you to do something, and you don't know why, you know it's stupid, but you just do it anyway, okay? So so just for a bit of context. So there we were, standing there. We were looking at this mop bucket, and and my friend Sam, he, he turns to me and he says, Ollie... I double dare you. I know, right? I know, right? He started big. He said, I double dare you to go for a wee in that mop bucket. And um, I'd love to tell you that I spent a really good time like weighing up the pros and cons and thinking about how much trouble I might get in and was it really worth it and that kind of thing. Um, but I didn't. I think I did what any upstanding year two boy would have done. And I just strolled over to that bucket and I just went for it. And... And for about two seconds, I enjoyed like, the bliss of knowing that I had completed the dare and I had thoroughly impressed my friend Sam, right? But then what actually interrupted me from that bliss was that my friend Sam, the very same friend who just dared me to do that, he sprinted off down the corridor, found a teacher and told them what I had just done. I know, right? Sam, you better not be here because the crowd are against you. 
I know, that is cold. That is cold. So, um, so that's Sam. Sam the snake, I guess it works. But, but it's fair to say I got in a fair bit of trouble from that, as you can imagine, which involved cleaning the bucket out myself and, um, and writing a formal letter of apology to the cleaner, Pam. So sorry, Pam, if you're here. Um, and if I'm honest, there were a few other times when I, I got in a bit of trouble. Not loads, but a few other times. And I don't know about you, but whenever I got into trouble, it was always the same thing that got said to me. Either it would be my head teacher, or it would be my mum often. And they, they would look at me and they would say, Oliver Ryan, I am disappointed in you. I expected better of you. Anyone else ever had that? Yeah. Yeah, you know what it's like? And the reality is, the only reason they say that is because it just makes you feel extra bad, doesn't it? Because not only have you done something wrong, but you've also really disappointed someone as well. That's, like, that's a big reason for why they do it. But I also think there's maybe another reason why they say it. Because, you know, generally, I was a pretty good kid. I didn't get in trouble that much. And, uh, and so I think when my head teacher or my mum was saying it, I think they were saying, Ollie, I know who you are. And the way that you're acting doesn't fit with who you are. It's like, in those moments, the way that I was acting wasn't how Ollie Ryan should have been acting. Does that make sense? And so when they were saying I expected better of you, it's because they did. It's because they thought I was different, and actually they knew that I was different. And guys, the same is actually true of us when we follow Jesus. Like when we come to know Jesus and we discover who we are in him, we see ourselves differently, but then that actually has to affect the way that we live. It looks like something. Like Jesus changes us, and it is incredible when he does, but then he, he asks us to go and live differently and to go and change the world. And so the reality is, as followers of Jesus, our lives should look different. And so if you're here tonight and you would call yourself a follower of Jesus, then your life should actually look different to the people around you. And you know, we love that bit in that verse that I just read, uh, where it says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. We love it, don't you? It feels good. You're like, yeah, I'm not going to let anyone look down on me. But then it can't actually be separated from this next bit of the verse because they come together. And, and this next bit um, is actually pretty challenging when you look at it. So Paul mentions these five things, speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. And guys, there is so much that I could say about all of these five, um, but tonight I'm just going to have a really quick look at three of them. And Paul, when he's doing this, he's not being this like grumpy old man uh, telling Timothy what to do. He's reminding him of who he is. He's a follower of Jesus, and he's saying, this is what it looks like to live that out. This is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And so the first way that Paul tells Timothy to set an example is through the way that he talks with his speech. And I want you guys to complete this phrase for me. Okay, and I'll say the first bit, you say the second bit to me. Okay, sticks and stones may break my bones. Yeah, well done, you passed the test. Um, I'm just going to throw it out there today, call me crazy, but that phrase is absolutely rubbish. It is just rubbish. Anyone else with me? And I imagine that every single one of us in this room has at some point in our lives either been really hurt by something that someone else has said, or actually we've really hurt someone else with something that we've said. I remember when I was uh, much younger, I don't know why, but um, I got really frustrated with my granddad. He was babysitting me, and for some reason I just got really frustrated with him, and I turned and I exploded at him, and I said, I hate you, and I don't ever want to see you again. And um, I know, what a horrible child I was. And, you know, over 20 years later, he still reminds me of that. Fortunately, I think he has actually forgiven me. 
um, and I think he's over it. But the reality is, guys, you can't ever take words back. I wish I hadn't said that. I don't know why I did, but it is out there forever. And sometimes it's just a passing comment, isn't it, that someone makes about us, about the way we look or something like that, or, or about how we'll never amount to anything. And the reality is they might not even mean it, but words are powerful, and they can hurt us, and they can stick to us for years and years. But they can also be really good, can't they? Like, I love getting a compliment. Anyone else? Anyone else love a good compliment? And uh, you know when someone's like, oh, Ollie, you're really good at that, or, or Ollie, your hair's looking really good, or something like that. On the outside, I'm like, I'll oh, stop it. But on the inside, I'm like, yes, keep that coming. Keep that coming. I'll take that all day. Feel free to send me some tomorrow. But and that might just be me, but I think deep down, we all love it. Whether, whether we might react like that in the moment, we love being built up. We love having people that encourage us. We love having people that actually believe in us even when we mess up, that they'll do that. And as followers of Jesus, that is actually the kind of people that we're meant to be. People that use our words to build other people up, not tear them down. That's what we're meant to be doing. And I don't know about you guys, I find that a lot easier uh, to do that on a Sunday than the rest of the week. Or maybe when I'm here at DTI, it's easy, isn't it, to like sing songs to Jesus and say nice things to people. But then on Tuesday, when you're back with your other group of mates, it's actually a bit harder, isn't it? Like one day, we can be praising Jesus and then the next day we're just gossiping about our mates behind their back. And guys, Jesus wants more for us than that. And so to demonstrate, um, yesterday I picked up a bottle of Fanta Fruit Twist, which everyone knows is the world's best fizzy drink. So I'm just going to enjoy that for a second. Oh, that's nice. And then I also picked up what I consider to be one of my least favorite drinks, um, which is soy milk. And... Um, Apologies if you like, have to have this for like, dairy reasons or something. I'm just sorry about that. Um, and this is nice and lukewarm. It's been sitting in my tent all day. For actually for like, the whole weekend. So, mm. You'll see me drink it. You'll see me drink it. It doesn't even taste of anything. Soy milk, it's just like water. But anyway... So, so guys, these, these drinks, it's fair to say they're not a good combination. Actually, I'd probably be much better off with this one, right? But what we do, what we so often do as followers of Jesus, is we, like, we worship at church on a Sunday. And then we just go out and we swear at the ref at football on a Monday. Mm. Or we sing, oh, praise the name. And then I gossip about my friends behind their back. What a beautiful name it is. <laughs> and then you make fun of the guy in class that no one likes. Well, I am a child of God. You are a loser and nobody likes you. I'd do anything. I don't want to be anywhere near you. God, I'm feeling a bit bloated already. So, or what we end up with, I'm going to... I'm going to try not to spill any on stage production, I'm sorry, but it's something a bit like this. It's fully congealed. Fortunately, Fanta's so good, it's just kind of outdone it, but that's still pretty disgusting. I can confirm that's pretty gross. If anyone wants it afterwards, you can have it. I said afterwards. But guys, do you see the point? 
as followers of Jesus, it doesn't make sense for us to be doing both those things. That's not how he's asked us to live. Like our words matter, not just the ones that we sing when we're at DTI, but actually the, every single word we speak to the people around us, to our friends, to our families, to the people we like at school, to the people we don't like at school. And that's actually why Paul tells Timothy to set an example with his speech. Because followers of Jesus, guys, we speak words of life. We encourage the people around us. We don't gossip. We don't swear. We don't just belittle people to make them feel small. We actually build up people around us and we live differently because of it. That's what we're asked to do. And I'm now feeling pretty bloated. But guys, we know who we are. We figure out our identity and then we live it out with our speech. And so after speech, the next one that comes is faith. And faith's a little bit trickier to define than speech, isn't it? Like, it's quite easy to figure out speech, but faith is a little bit trickier. And, you know, when the Bible talks about faith in Jesus, it's not talking about just having a few beliefs about him. That's not what it talks about. It talks about trust. Like, faith in Jesus is trusting in Jesus. And, you know, it's one thing to say that we believe in him, but actually what we have to do is we have to live it out when it's easy and when it's not. Like, we have to live, in a, live our lives in a way that actually we say, you know what, Jesus, I trust you and I trust what you're doing even though it doesn't really look that great at the moment. And one of the most amazing stories I've heard about someone's faith in Jesus recently is a girl called Leah and um, her picture, I think, is going to come up on the screen. So guys, this is Leah and she is the same age as a load of you guys. She's 15. She's from Nigeria. And some of you might have seen in the news just over a year ago, but um, at school one day, 110 uh, schoolgirls in Nigeria got kidnapped um, from, their, from their school. And within a month, every single one of them got released except Leah. And uh, over a year later now, Leah is still in captivity. And the reason that Leah has never been released is that she's a Christian. And she's refused to give up her faith in Jesus. And when all the other girls were released, she uh, gave them this message to pass on to her mum. And this is what it said. The words are going to come on the screen. It says, My mother, you should not be disturbed. I know it is not easy missing me, but I want to assure you that I am fine where I am. My God, whom we have been praying to with you, is showing himself mighty in my trying moment. I know your words to me morning, during our morning devotions that God is very close to people in pain. I'm witnessing this now. I'm confident that one day I shall see your face again, if not here, then with our Lord Jesus Christ. And guys, I know that's a really tragic story. Um, like She's still in captivity, but... I find that really inspiring. I don't know about you guys. Like that is a 15-year-old girl, a follower of Jesus, who lives in the world today. She's not made up. She's not just some story. That is a 15-year-old living out her faith in Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I think we need a bit of that kind of faith. Like she's willing to die for her faith, and sometimes we find it hard to live for it, don't we? And like Leah knows that her relationship with Jesus is the most important thing about her. That's what defines her more than anything else. Even when she's in a horrific situation like that, she has everything that she needs in Jesus. And that's why she's able to act in that way. And you know, we heard from Open Doors, didn't we, this morning? And Leah's just one of millions of followers of Jesus from around the world who actually, they do that every day. They, they risk being put in prison or killed or persecuted or whatever just because they want to follow Jesus. He's, he's worth it that much. They're willing to do it. They set an example for us, don't they, with their faith. Or a friend of mine uh, recently, he's called Josh. I grew up with him. He's a year younger than me, um, and he's recently become a dad. He's got a little one-year-old called Judah. And, um, and Josh, a few months ago, my friend, he found out that he'd got leukemia, um, which is a type of cancer. And 
the, the, the great thing with Josh is that actually he seems to be getting a bit better. He, he's doing really well. But the even more amazing thing with Josh is that from the day he found out, his faith in Jesus has been incredible. And his trust that God is with him even though he's in this rubbish situation. So much so that he's actually gone around the hospital wards where he's been telling people about Jesus and praying for people whilst he's in prison. With, uh, not in prison. Sorry, that's not what happened. Um, made that bit up. Whilst he's in hospital with leukemia, he's just been walking around the wards telling people about Jesus and praying for people and offering other people the hope that he has. And you know, with Leah and with my friend Josh, like what sets them apart is that regardless of what situation they're in, what shines through is their relationship with Jesus. They know who they are. And so that, that looks like something in their faith. And you know, we probably won't find ourselves in either of those situations. But we do have opportunities to daily live out our faith in Jesus. Like when our friends let us down, maybe uh, when people at school make fun of you because you're a Christian, or when exams and stress um, seems to be getting to everyone else around you, maybe when your family situation is just really hard, you can actually set an example with your faith. And you know, often when things are hardest, that's actually when we get to trust Jesus the most. And, and I know that some of you guys will have really hard situations, harder than I can imagine, and I don't take that for granted. But what I can say is that Jesus is with you, and just like Leah and my friend Josh would say, you can trust him, even when it doesn't look like it. So with our faith, we know who we are, we know our identity, and then we live it out in our faith, yeah? Okay, and then finally, Paul, uh, he tells Timothy to, to set an example with his purity. And I don't know what you think about when you hear the word purity, you might think, oh no, Ollie, not the sex talk. Please, please don't do that to us. Um, well, the good news is I'm not going to be speaking on this for very long. Um, I'm going to leave that one to your youth leaders. They would love to talk to you all about this, um, particularly afterwards tonight or on the coach journey back, um, all about the birds and the bees and that kind of thing. But guys, I think one of the reasons, someone was just literally shaking their head at me. Um, there is a reason that Paul mentions purity to Timothy, and it's because that actually as followers of Jesus, guys, this is one of the biggest ways that we can live differently, and we can show the people around us a different way to live. That is why he mentions this. Because honestly, the culture that me and you live in, it has such a warped view of sex. Like Everything around you guys basically says that to feel loved and to feel complete um, is through like sex and relationships and um, that somehow that's just going to make everything better. And honestly, guys, I can tell you that is such a lie. That is not the truth. And you know, with this purity thing, Jesus isn't trying to like ruin your fun or anything like that. It's actually the opposite to that. Jesus offers every single one of us life and life to the full. And so when God gives us these parameters and boundaries, like sex for being within um, marriage and waiting until then for it, or, or actually looking at Jesus with our eyes and not lusting after the person in our class or on the internet or something like that. The reason that he, he gives us these, these, these boundaries is because he loves us. It's not because he wants to limit us. You know, he created us, he knows us, and he actually knows that the only place that every single one of us can find true intimacy and vulnerability and, and, and love is actually in Jesus. It's not in anywhere else. And yet so often, guys, when it comes to something like sex, this is often one of the ways that we really miss out on that life that Jesus is offering us. And you know, the reality is this affects all of us. Like, none of us are perfect. Like, I know I've made so many decisions um, in the past where I've compromised on my purity. And I've looked back and just wished 
that I'd lived the way that Jesus talked about because I know that is where the life is and I've missed out on it. And you know, last night, Zeke, he talked a bit about pornography, didn't he? And, um, and I've seen the statistics and how many young people watch it and so I'm sure there'll be loads of people in this room who really struggle with it. And you know, that's, that's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll pray for that at the end. And you know, I'm, I'm really grateful. I've never actually watched any porn but I've, I've seen the effect it has on the people around me. And how it's one of those things, it just robs us of the life that Jesus is trying to offer us at the same time. And you know, for others of you guys, it, it might be that everyone around you is just sleeping around and you feel the pressure to do the same. Or you feel the pressure to look a certain way. Or it might be that you just feel desperate for the attention and affection of other people. And that just comes out in loads of different ways. Or it might be, you know, guys, it's not just about what we physically do. It's about what we think about in our minds. That matters as well. And with all of these things, guys, please hear me for this next bit. If you struggle with any of those things, if you feel like you've messed up at some point in your life, then there is no shame here today. That is so far from my intention. None of us are perfect. We've all got our stuff. And actually, Jesus has so much grace for every single one of us. And so tonight, he does not want you to feel any shame. He wants you to know how much he loves you. And he's calling you back to him. But I also believe that if you do struggle with one of those things or, or something similar to it, that actually Jesus wants more for us. And tonight is actually a new opportunity for you guys to kind of start afresh with him. It doesn't matter what's come before you, you can start afresh. You can find freedom, you can chat to your youth leaders, we can pray for you guys at the end. And you know, one of the youth leaders at our church, they recently met up with a, a young person and um, they were chatting a little bit about relationships and this kind of stuff. And the young person said something to them like this. They said, I'm such a loser. I've never had a relationship or anything like it. I've got no experience with that kind of thing. I'm so boring. And you know, the youth leader was able to passionately say to them, that is not boring. Like, relationships are great, but actually as followers of Jesus, it is an incredibly powerful thing to be able to say, I'm not defined by my relationship status. It doesn't matter whether I've got a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I know who I am in Jesus, and I'm excited to live for him whether I'm in a relationship or not. That is an amazing thing, guys. And that is what Jesus wants to give all of us, to say, you can be secure in me. You don't need to look for it in other places. And that's what purity looks like. It's not this like rubbish, boring thing. It's saying, you know what? I don't need to live like that. I'm secure in who I am in Jesus. And, and unfortunately, with something like purity, either we can live differently and we can change the world or, or probably the world will change us. But the great news is, guys, regardless of your past, is that you have an opportunity to live differently to set an example with your purity to the people around you. And actually to tell them a better story than what they're hearing from elsewhere. To say, you know what, I'm firm in Jesus, I know who I am, I don't need to live like that. We know who we are, we figure out our identity, and then we live it out in our purity. So that's why Paul says to Timothy, he says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And you know, guys, those five things, they're not like the entire list. It's not like this checkbox that if you do all of them, like you're sorted. It's actually about giving Jesus our whole lives, this whole life response. And actually being like, I'm secure in Jesus and I'm going to live that out in every single area. Whether it's those five or something completely different. And I know sometimes this can be a bit daunting, this kind of thing. It is a bit of a challenge. But guys, don't you want to be known as like an encourager? as someone who builds up their friends, as someone their friends can always go to to just be built up and loved? Don't you want to be known as someone who actually has this amazing faith in Jesus that no matter what's going on around them, that they're just like firm in Jesus? 
And don't you want to be known as someone who is just so secure that they don't need to be looking for their identity in places anywhere else other than Jesus? Like, I know I want to be like that. I'm not perfect, but I'd, I'd love to be more like that. Because actually, this is how we change the world. By not waiting until you're older. Like, guys, God wants to use you now. This weekend, tomorrow, the day after that, at school next week, at college, wherever, God actually has stuff he wants to do with you. Not in 10 years' time, but now. And he wants you to know who you are. First and foremost, he wants you to be secure in him, which is a security that is incredible, guys. You're not going to get it from anywhere else. But he also wants you to live it out, to live differently, to set an example. And actually make choices now that will affect you for the rest of your life. There is stuff you can do now that will affect the rest of your life. And so Jesus is saying, guys, I want to give you that life. I want to offer it to you. But it's, it, it, like, it's yours for the taking. To live differently and to show the world what amazing life in Jesus looks like. Because if we can offer that to the world, guys, they will want it because it's amazing. There's nothing else like it.